She is a child-free actress and model from L.A. As an antinatalist environmentalist, she volunteers a lot of time advocating for animal rights. After her successful two-bill legation a few years ago, she educates people that adopt don't shop applies to people too. Firecrackers, please welcome Megan. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. All right, Megan, how old were you when you knew and decided that you wanted to become an actress? Honestly, for me, it was later in life. I was about 21. Um, I, I didn't move to LA wanting to be an actor. I had started some modeling work in college. And then one of those modeling jobs was a television job. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do this thing. And then I just did the job. And then I just fell in love with the process of filmmaking. Um, so for me, it was later in life. I didn't grow up as a child wanting to do that. Um, so it was when I was in college. So what did you want to do when you were a kid? Actually, I actually went to college to be a flutist, which I wouldn't oh. recommend. Yeah, unless you want to be a teacher, which I don't. Don't, don't pick the arts if you don't want to teach. Um, but yeah, I actually, uh, I actually went to college to be a flutist. And then I learned the hard way that statistically it's easier to be an actor than a flutist because unfortunately it's like a dying art. Mm -hmm. um, it's a commonly outsourced art. So to be a flutist in the States full time is really hard. There's less than 90 of them. So I kind of figured out I had to do a career change of some kind to figure it all out. But that was my original life ambition. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you trained as a musician basically. Yeah, I was in college for uh, five years. Mm -hmm. And you started modeling when you were in college or was it in high school? Or no, before? it was in college. There was no opportunities of that where I grew up. Um, so yeah, no, I was in college and I saw a dumb flyer on a bulletin board that was like, hey, we have a career expo coming up and we need runway models. Um, and I was like, okay, that seemed interesting to try. So I went to this thing and it basically was this, event sponsored by express like mm -hmm. the clothing company getting students ready for their first job after college and uh, it was fun um it was down in san diego and it just kind of all started from there nice that's really interesting i mean i because i think that most of the people that i know that are actors have mm -hmm. wanted to do that like forever since they were right like, very young Right. It is, it's a bit of an odd switch, isn't it? Yeah, but you found your passion. I, or one of them, at least. I always say that not everyone's passions have to be occupational and vice versa. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, nice, it's nice when they overlap. Yeah, um, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, for some, it's, it's whatever. But, yeah, um, I enjoy it. It's a fun way to make believe and be someone you're not. That's so cool. So you've been doing this for how many years now? Uh, about 13, 14 years. I'm 35 now. So, yeah. And yeah. I saw that you've had like roles in like really well-known shows like how do you, um, 
What's the, um, I completely, I just completely. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> it, I jokingly say I've one line to myself all over town. So <laughs> we, I haven't had what they call the breakout role yet, which is like the one thing that puts you on the map, but it's been really fun working on a lot of different productions, not being the big person because that's allowed me to go all over town basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. Uh, there's a lot of people like me, they work all the time, but they're, no one knows their name because we're the one-liners, we're the people doing the commercials, we're the people doing the airline safety video for some reason, that's like an act, a stupid acting goal of mine is I want to do the airline safety video for somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So one day maybe I'll, I'll do that, but we'll see. I've seen the new videos. The new airline safety videos are so much fun. I was, they're ridiculous, aren't they? No, yes, they're so much fun. Yeah, but I just remembered. So I saw you had a small role in How I Met Your Mother, in Asian, AJ and the Queen. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've one-lined myself all over. It's, Star it's Trek. <laughs> that is so cool. I guess going to outer space isn't terrible. <laughs> But, um, and tell me, how does, it, how does it work when you're working on these big productions or like long running productions? Do you get to meet like the main cast as well? Or is it just like very separate? Um, sometimes, um, usually, usually you do. Uh, you, sometimes you don't. Uh, I know if I do stand and work, you do. Uh, stand and work is very interesting for people who don't know. It's not a photo double that's filmed, but they're the person standing in for the actor during the lighting process, which can take up to like a half an hour per angle. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, uh, they hire actors to do stand-in work. Um, yeah. So, so if it's a stand-in job, yeah, definitely you have to like interact with people. Um, but, you know, getting head nods from certain people when you're in full costume is kind of a good experience also, so. Yeah. I, I bet. Yeah. And, and you're also a hand model. Because, and you were like a hand double for Christina Hendricks in Mad Men. I saw it. Yes. Isn't that weird? Yeah. She's like, I love her so much. She's one of my, one of these actresses that I'm like, I'm, I'm just, she's so amazing. She's really amazing. And it was great being the fly on the wall. They're like, do you want to come watch this take? And I'm like, absolutely, I do. This is an Emmy winning cast. I want yeah. to see them work. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, that's very common that they hire people like me because it's cheaper. You don't know me. And we'll go in and do a shot of, uh, I think in that scene, she had sliced her hand open, cutting an orange was yeah. the scene. So it was cheaper to pay someone like me, but, you know, I got to work with John Hamm. So it's not all <laughs> He's a hottie. <laughs> I didn't mind. Yeah, I bet. So what is the job that you've done that you've like, the most memorable one so far? I don't think there is just one. You know what it is? It's the fact that I, the fact that I've been doing it this long is memorable. A lot of people move to LA. They make it like five years. They go back to uh, wherever they previously lived. And it happens really often. So the, I've, lived in, I've lived here for 18 years and I think I've done something right. So as long as I'm happy, right? That's the main thing is like, hey, I'm still here. I'm still trying to follow my dreams. And I think for a lot of us in this day and age, having that drive is hard. You know, we have pandemics, we have economy stuff, we have 
you know, all these things going on. So it, it just gives you a goal to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And there's one thing I've been wondering about and speaking about the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. because I was watching something the other day and I was like, how are they filming right now? Is everything like stopped or? It, well, we're kind of in a catch-22. We're allowed by the governor of California to resume filming, mm -hmm. but insurance companies that cover production um, don't want to cover it. So they're kind of in this catch-22 of we're allowed to film, but we can't. There's only one production in all of Los Angeles filming right now, and there's none in New York filming right now. Mm -hmm. So we're just kind of kicking back. Would love to work, but right now we're not storytelling currently. Yeah, no, so hopefully we'll get back soon. So it will affect y'all's fall TV shows. If you'll notice this fall, you're going to have a lot of reruns because usually that stuff is filmed right now. Yeah. So if it can't be filmed right now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big This Is Us fan, and I really want to know what's going to happen in the next season. I can't do that if they can't go film it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. And I've, I've noticed that there are like several productions that have already stopped, and I, I feel they're like mid-seasons uh, break or something. Yes. But they're not supposed to be breaking. Right? I have no idea. Maybe they do because it's like middle of the summer. But I'm, like, should, I'm wondering yeah. what's going to happen come fall. Am I going to be able to see these people again on the screen? Yeah, What's going to happen with this story? It's just like, ah, there's so much up in the air right now. It just feels a little bit convoluted. Yeah, totally. I'm in the same boat. I mean, I like to watch my shows too. So yeah. I have to see. Oh, wow. And I also know that you are a very, very um, active Is this, yeah, you're like an active activist, I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're very active on activism. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, so um, especially, I think you, you, you're also like really big on animal rights. Yeah, I've been an animal rights activist for 16 years. Mm -hmm. um, highly recommend constructing uh, your anger in life into an activism channel of some kind. Uh, it's, it's good to help save the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm an animal rights activist. I've been vegan for 16 years. I do most of my work with PETA, um, which is the people love to hate. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard of PETA. Yeah. Um, but it, it's good. It's good to uh, be for an, a cause that's bigger than yourself. For me, I grew up with a speech impediment and I couldn't speak very well. So I empathize with others, in this case, animals who try to speak, but we don't listen or can't hear. Something about that really rings home with me. Um, and, uh, it kind of overlaps my environmentalism and, uh, I'm always trying to look at the world at a new perspective, right? We, we grow up in ways and we think that we're done making choices about the world. And then we see something differently, whether it's being child free or vegan. And I'm always looking at myself, like, am I doing something now that I'm going to change in five years or 10 years from now? you know so uh, for me animal rights was one of those and uh, I highly recommend everyone if they want a new best friend to go adopt their new best friend at their local shelter yeah I feel that I mean animal rights is something that is very close and dear to my heart as well oh. um, I can't stand to see people abusing animals in any way mm -hmm. but I know that being vegan or even vegetarian is a big part of that, you know, being act an activist in, in that sense. Sure. And to be, to be honest, I haven't been able to do it. Like I, I was ve vegetarian for about 
two years and then I became pescetarian and then I just got back into meat. But it was like my my body was just asking me, like there's some nutrients I wasn't getting, not even from like vitamins or anything. And I just had to like have meat. And it's not that I take pleasure on it. It's just that my body needs it, you know? Don't worry. I'm not attacking anyone. You're, you're, <laughs> you're safe with me. You're safe with me. <laughs> no, but I want to talk how was your journey? Because I would like to, you know, maybe understand from your perspective, maybe to see if there's something that I can do differently and try to for go sure. on that path. For sure. Um, for me, it took about six months when I transitioned years ago. And it's funny because I used to drink dairy every day. For example, I love cereal. You used mm-hmm. to drink, eat tons and tons of bowls of cereal. And now if I accidentally, 16 years later, if I accidentally eat, dairy by accident, my stomach gets all weird and all these symptoms I used to never have when I used to eat it every day. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's corn free and I eat corn, you know, and uh, I, it was interesting that they were saying that uh, they did it for an allergy reason, but they said that they went through a similar process of they used to eat this thing every day. And then now they've cut it out of their system. It turns into a it's not a, I can't have that, but I don't want that. And I really could relate to that. Um, because at this point of my veganism, I'm not tempted if someone puts something non-vegan in front of me, because all I can think of is like, oh, that's going to hurt my stomach. I'm okay. Um, so it's interesting that it shifted from a, I can't have that to a, I don't want that. Um, but if anyone wants nutritional advice on going vegan, there's a great book out there called The China Study. I highly recommend it doesn't talk about anything with the ethics of animals, but just the nutritional uh, chemical changes in our bodies. And um, vegan or not, it was interesting just to read about the human body like that. So, yeah, that's re- I think it's very interesting. I, I am my I am personally allergic to casein, so I can't have any oh, dairy okay. at all. Okay. So when I left, when I stopped drinking milk, like I don't. I don't like milk. I'm like, if you ask me right now, like here is a glass of milk. Like that's not something that will appeal to me at all. And I still eat my cereal, but I <clears throat> eat it with either almond milk or sure. soy milk or coconut milk. Um, but for me, the hardest thing was uh, like not eating ice cream. <laughs> the, <laughs> the hardest thing because vegan ice cream is, does not taste the same way. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It just, it's, I, I look forward to other places getting what we have here in LA because we're so spoiled with vegan ice cream, but only in like the past five years. Yeah. Before that, there was only like one or two kinds. They were okay. And now I feel like the past five years has exploded. So I'm looking forward to that traveling elsewhere. Because oh now, yes. now I feel like that's the easiest thing to find vegan is ice cream. Really? It's so hard to find it where I am. And I, th- I feel that like California is really like spearheading that you know the variety on, on vegan food um along with some other countries in in europe um i agree i think that california is way like you know you guys are like way up there in terms of the quality of the food of the variety of the food especially quality like you can get vegan food in, in some places that it just doesn't taste good um so that, i mean that's true that's true everywhere i feel yeah, but I guess in California you would find more like top quality food than anywhere else. I think that I think that's true of all cuisines here. It's just a nice melting pot of culture here. Mm-hmm. So 
I think I can eat all over the world in one city, which is nice. Yeah, like like New York. New York is also like that. Yes. Um, yes. But I don't know what it is about vegan food. Um, I mean, I do like vegetables. Um, but I think, I mean, for me, it's just the, that, you know, that feeling that you described with, you know, a, an upset, you know, general feeling, physical yes. body feeling. Like I get that with milk. Um, yes. So I, now I made the choice. I'm like, I, it's not that I don't want it. It's just, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not that I can't have it because I'm allergic, but I don't want it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think an allergy is way more harder, honestly, because like if you have it with an allergy, you're having like a straight up medical issue versus if I had something accidentally, it's just a discomfort. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit different. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that, you know, becoming vegetarian or and even more so vegan is also a great way to help the planet, not only Definitely. animals, but just in general, the environment. And this is something that I, I don't know why it gets such a bad rap as well. You know, like vegan people get a lot of shit sometimes about being vegan. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I honestly, I've gotten more shit from being child free than vegan, believe it or not. But <laughs> maybe, maybe that's to be believed in this podcast. No, yeah, I, I believe it. But um, yeah. in, in terms of veganism, I, it's just, you know, how some people, maybe a few years ago were like, oh my God, people that do CrossFit are like in a cult. Right. Um, I feel that people that like are vegan are also in a cult, you know, <laughs> the, the general sentiment is like, oh my God, here they come. They're going to tell us that we need yes. to join their cult or something. Yes. <laughs> we tend, we tend to be passionate, but like child free people, we often don't say it unless we're asked. Yeah. You know, so it, it has an exact similar flavor to the child free community in that regard. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Well, let's talk a little bit about the child freedom. Let's do it. How did you decide to become an embrace of child-free lifestyle? Um, again, later in life, um, there's an ongoing pattern of my life, if you can't tell with that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like everybody else, I grew up thinking, oh, at some point I'll have kids and just kind of didn't think about it. And then I didn't babysit for the first time in my life until I was an adult in California. And that was enough for me to kind of reverse track and oh I'm not really sure if I want to do that full time like that seems like a lot and I did it for a couple more friends a few more times and just kind of really figured out oh this is not enjoyable for me to be honest and it's not the kids fault it just wasn't something I thought was fun to do so yeah for me it was later in life and a couple of relationships later and uh, I got a tubal ligation I think it was two years ago mm -hmm. so 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 that um, sealed it. <laughs> that sealed it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have uh, Obamacare right now here in the states, and I just it was covered by insurance. Uh, I asked around. I asked one doctor several years ago. He said no. I got laughed at. Never really thought about it again. And then Donald uh, Trump started running, and I was like, you know, got my insurance now. I'm gonna look into this again. And so I looked into it and I had to go through two doctors, but I finally found a yes um, on doctor number two. 
who he's my normal gynecologist now because as soon as he said yes i'm like i'm gonna switch my business to this guy yeah um but yeah it went off uh two years ago and uh that was a very interesting experience but i'm happy i had it done can you tell us a little bit more about what your journey was because i know there's a lot of women out there child-free women who are looking to get a tubal ligation i had yeah. one myself a year and a half ago oh congratulations um, yeah you too congratulations <laughs> <laughs> I actually for my anniversary i was like it's been one year ask me <laughs> i was so happy about it i was like oh my god i can't believe it but for me it wasn't a fight for me it was like may i have and my doctor was like yes of course and i was like that's amazing that's awesome so i want to hear about your particular story yeah so i i went to my then normal gyno and she was not very happy about it but she's like well i don't do surgery so i'd have to refer you to a surgeon anyway and she asked me more questions about my partner at the time than myself but i just went with it you know Yikes. and yeah but she gave me the referral and so then the you know the surgeon guy was like yeah I'll, I'll do it um i'm legitimately divorced but i noticed that's I had to say that a lot in both of my appointments. I felt that it got my point across oddly. <laughs> um, so I'm not telling people to lie out there about their marital status, but somehow me saying I was divorced helped my case a lot. Um, but yeah, I got it done. I got what was called a mini laparotomy tubal, and I, it's a method of tubals I wish more people would talk about. Um, so they just do one like inch and a half incision it's below your hairline. They don't blow up your torso with gas. There's no navel uh, incision. There's only one entry and exit point. And I don't know, it was a great way to have a tubal, but it was the only kind of tubal that the doctor who said yes did. And I'm like, you know what, that's great, that's fine. I don't mind one larger incision. And I didn't have like the stomach gas pain after because there was no stomach gas in my case. Um, but I've worked in a G string and stuff since, and it covers it. So I feel pretty confident <laughs> about it. Um, but it was good. But that being said, it had a longer recovery time, yeah. uh, because it was a larger incisional area. I was in bed for about five weeks and I remember the first job I worked was at the five week point. And I was like, I should have stayed in bed the extra week, but I really needed this job. And it was a fun shoot. And, um, I don't know. It, so the recovery kicked my ass, but uh, I mean, obviously now looking back on it, I'm so happy I had it done. Um, the scars going away. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It. What was mostly weird about it was dealing with the aftermaths of family and friends asking me what had happened. Yep. I want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I am very lucky that my family's supportive. Uh, my family is the supportive crowd in my story. Um, I had a few friends ask me why, 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 you know, the thing a lot of us have heard more questions about asking why I didn't than why someone would. Um, I had a lot of trolling on Twitter uh, because I made some YouTube videos about my tubal location experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it was helpful. I got a lot of people in support on YouTube saying, thank you for this video. I was looking for advice on recovery. Um, but apparently they brought all the trolls out. Um, so honestly, for me, I dealt with a few real life friends um, 
that wasn't very nice, um, who are already parents who didn't understand my decision. I had a lot of women who, who suffer from infertility issues who couldn't understand, they couldn't wrap around why I would give my fertility away. And I know that was like a sensitive subject with people, you know, but it was an interesting one that was brought up was like, yeah, some of us are dying to give it away. Um, and then others are dying to have it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, I'll put it to you this way. I've never been threatened with rape or death for any of my animal rights activism. Never. But I can't tell you how many times on Twitter I've been threatened with those things just because I had a tubal ligation. That's fucking insane. So I just want to throw that out there to people that I'm all over the news doing stuff for PETA and I've never once been threatened with my life. Oh my God. <laughs> so I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. It just shows the power of choice and that some people don't think some things are choices until they happen. And like I mentioned before in the interview, I'm dying to know what else I'm doing in my life right now. Yeah. That I'm going to look back on and think that about, oh my God, what am I doing? But yeah, um, I try not to tell certain people that I've had the tubal ligation. If I'm at work and the conversation becomes parenting or like I hate Mother's Days and Father's Days, um, I'm like, I don't need a day to show my appreciation, you know? I don't know. I think that people automatically assume that you're going to get nasty at them for having a kid just because you chose to not have a kid. Mm. And it, it would be nice if we could culturally break that ice of, Hey, I'm not, my, my personal choice is an attack on yours. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you. You know, so I don't know. Um, I wish we would have another women's march like we had here a few years ago because I didn't have my tubal at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I would make a sign that would say, I don't know what it would say, but something about reproductive rights. Yeah. No, I, I and also, I mean, reproductive rights and reproductive freedom as well, because there is mm-hmm. the choice that I make and then the right that I have to actually have a doctor enforce my, my choice. It's like two different things, very intertwined, but two different things. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the, you know, parents, I think that not all parents, but there are a lot of people who are parents who immediately assume that just because we're child-free, we hate kids. Yes. I honestly am annoyed by kids. Uh, It's not their fault. I can't stand the squealing. It's more of a sound issue with me. Um, But... I, I do know a lot of people who work with kids who don't want them, but they're like professional educators, even. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I do understand that for the majority of people, it absolutely uh, doesn't have anything to do with that. But I, I'll say this even though kids annoy me, I don't feel that that's the reason I got a tubal. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? Uh, that, that was not the main reason I decided to, to, to do that. So. Of course. But, you know, it's like everything. I mean, people who are child-free in general, there's a lot of us out there, even though sometimes you feel like you're like the only per- only child-free person in the world. There's a yes. lot of us out there. And there's like, there's people who genuinely hate kids. Yes. And all the way to people, like you mentioned, who actually love kids, work with kids, but just don't want to have any of their own. Yeah. So it's like I- a whole spectrum. Yeah, I I wish we could have like a conference or something because even in LA, um, it's hard to meet child-free people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you would think 
but that would I don't know a big city it would be easier and I still find it pretty difficult uh, I don't know it's night it's like our only place to meet people's on the internet still it's 2020 yeah. and we still have to go on the steps <laughs> of the internet to interact with one another yeah it's true and speaking of reasons because you just mentioned you know not that you know the fact that you find kids a little bit annoying because of the squealing not one of the reasons why you've got a tube obligation could you share what your reasons are for being child free yeah um I'm, my main reason is I, I just don't want to um it That's seems perfect. stressful it's yeah it's just it's time consuming if you're gonna raise another human you need to do it right and I get really annoyed and I don't think I would do it. I don't think I would be abusive, but I think I would be an annoyed parent and no kid needs that. Um, I like being able to volunteer a lot. Um, I like being able to drop all of my plans because there's a shoot across town in three hours. And the only reason I got the job is because I'm available. Um, that happens often. It does spark up my environmentalists. I do think overpopulation is an issue with people. Um, and I look forward to there being more data about how that's affecting the environment. Um, and I don't think it's just certain countries as a white woman, I'm very hyperly aware of. There's other reasons people could tell people to not have kids and I don't want to feed into uh, an intolerant ideal, but I think on an environmentalism level, um, every time I fly in a plane, you see it, there's just a lot of people. And I just think the data ought to be considered. Um, and other than that too, I just, I don't light up with kids, you know, yeah. I see, I see a really cute fuzzy dog and I light up. They're cute. <laughs> they're adorable. It, they make me warm inside. And I think, the kids don't do that for me. It, again, nothing they've done wrong. They just don't make me excited. Yeah. They don't make me sparkle. And I think a parent, I think a child should, I think whoever wants children, whether they're biological, adoptive, et cetera, they should feel that sparkle. Yeah. They deserve I, that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, you got to do it right for kids, right? And I just think if I don't feel that sparkle, maybe there's a better way for me to serve humanity. Yeah. Um, I do have a niece and nephew. And oddly, I can't wait till they're teenagers. I don't, <laughs> mind, I don't mind teenagers at all. I'm like, bring me the teenagers when they're moody. <laughs> like, I don't think I, w I, I don't ever want to adopt a teenager either. But uh, I think I'll be a great aunt once they hit their moody teens. <laughs> moody teens. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always said, whatever reason any woman has to be child-free is valid. All of them are valid. It doesn't matter what they are. But it's just interesting to hear how all of us have, you know, different... Most, most of the time, it's very similar kind of, you know, reasons. But at the same time, you can see that some people put in their concerns uh, something... Uh, it's like in the list, they have something that is way up higher than another person who's child-free who maybe doesn't even think about it or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, just, it's just interesting to, to hear people's perspectives uh, on why. Yeah, I didn't even know child-free existed until I think I was Googling something with Tubals years ago. And then that's how I'm like, oh, there's a whole word for the community of people that I feel, hey, I found my tribe, you know? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. It's cool. Uh, 
it's a really warm community of just regular people living their lives. And I think that's great. Yeah, I think because it is a large community, uh, especially, well, online, there, it is a large community. You can see it, especially, I think, on Reddit and Facebook. I think that's where you can, like, see the largest portion of us interacting. Oh, okay. Um, there's, there's everything. I was going to say, I mean, warm, yes. Uh, not always, unfortunately. There's a lot of vitriol as well against parents, which I find unnecessary. Um, because, you know, the fact that you choose to be child-free and you want that to be respected normally would mean that if someone chose to be a parent, that would also pass, has to be respected. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I always say, if you see the parent making the attempt, lay off, you know? Yeah. Like, but my, my only quarrel is when they're still on their phone and Facebook on the subway, ignoring the screaming kid. But I think every parent agrees with me on that too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I put, I, I actually like, uh, my brother and his wife have a great rule with their kids. They try not to be on their phone around their kids. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, because they don't want to instill in the toddler age, hey, all we do is stare at our phone. So it kind of made me start to wonder how often I'm on my phone. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting. I think parenting nowadays is just because the world changes so fast. It's just so different to where it was when we were kids, of course. We didn't have, oh, yeah. you know, phones. We we're not like, you know, on Facebook or whatever, social media all the time when we we're younger. Our parents, I think our parents had to be more hands-on. But at the same time, it was a like, safer world. So they were like, go play in the street. And they weren't worried about abductions or, you know, any crazy stuff like that. Yeah, I can't imagine it at any time period. But now I just... The worry alone would kill me. And that's another reason why I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. If I worry about my dog already way too Aww. much, I can't even imagine what it would be with a child. <laughs> that's how I feel about myself, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Megan, I have to ask you, because you said, um, so you're divorced. Yes. You got your tube ligation. I want to know how dating has been for you after your tube ligation? Well, I, I'm in a weird boat. I just got out of an eight-year-long relationship. So um, I had a partner during my tubal, and I may get back with him. It's yet to be decided, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, quarantine does that to people. Um, but yeah, so I, I was divorced a long time ago, and uh, I was with my previous not my ex, not my ex-husband, but a different partner for eight years, uh, the partner I just left. So I was really fortunate that during my tubal, I had a supportive partner at the time. Uh, they helped me with recovery. They didn't care if I got the tubal. Uh, they also didn't want kids. Um, mm -hmm. So it was fine with them. Um, it was kind of nice having the experience. Uh, he was male and, uh, he saw firsthand how hard it was for me just to get the tubal. So it was kind of nice having a guy see that firsthand of like, why won't they just give you the damn tubal? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was kind of nice to see a guy go through, see, we're not making this up, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I was really lucky that I had uh, support both emotionally and physically at the time. 
Yeah, well, that makes a, a big difference. When I got mine, I was not dating anyone. No, actually, I was. That's okay. crazy. I completely forgot about my ex. No, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, if you're listening to this. <laughs> no, I did have a boyfriend at the time, but when we got together, and so we started dating in, in December. No. Okay. I can't even remember. Oh my God. Like my, no, we started dating on May. Okay. And um, I told him straight from the beginning, I don't want to have any kids. And he was like, meh, you know, he just, he's this kind of, the kind of person that it was like, I don't care if I have them and I don't care if I do like whatever is fine with okay. me. Uh, which I think is a little bit dangerous because at some point, yes. it's like I really want a kid. <laughs> yes. Like, no. Um, and I got my tubal in March of next year. So we had been together for a little less than a year. Oh, I got mine in a March. How awesome. Yay. 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 Yeah. So, and he knew about it, of course. And he was very supportive about the whole thing. And yeah, I mean, it's true that it is, I mean, having someone next to you be supportive about it and all, it was, it, it was like a plus. So I get, I get where you're coming from. I've heard horrors from dating sites of being child-free in general, and it just makes me want to hide my head like an ostrich. Yeah. And just, <laughs> oh, no, they're not going to take no for an answer. Um, just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's true. It's hard. I mean, now I'm, I've been single for some time now, and, you know, the dating scene is just really, it's really hard when you are child-free, that's for sure, because most men... So I've heard. I, I'm, I'm more or less, I'm, I'm 37. So we're more or less the same age, you and I. Yeah. Um, and when you date at this time and age, you usually date guys who already have children from previous marriages or relationships. I mean, you date, what I mean right. is they're available. Not that I want to date somebody that has a kid, but the guys who, who are available are guys who have pre, uh, kids from previous relationships or guys who have never had kids but want to have kids. Um, right because you know men can have children at any age my uncle's like 60 and he had a baby like three months ago which i find how, fri how yeah, frightening that must be that's disturbing to be honest um uh, because yeah. he's gonna be very old when that child is, is a teenager i don't know how he's gonna handle it yeah mm. but yeah it's really hard to date but the, one of the things that i've heard that i, I heard from somebody who's child-free that I know very well, uh, this girl said to me that the one thing that has happened to her when she tells men that she has had a tubal ligation is that guys are like, oh, so we can have sex without a condom then. Oh, yes, I bet. I bet. I can only imagine. That, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's like, no, you still got to wrap that up. Yeah. I mean, you gotta wrap that up but yeah i've i've also thought of those scenarios also of like no 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 no, you gotta wear the condom still it's yeah. just just the world's crazy out there plus people lie i know so many people who've gotten things because their partners lied so you can't you know still go out and get your test every one yearly because your partner could be lying to you that's true i didn't happen to me but it happened to a friend of mine and that's how she found out some stuff the hard way and yikes life's crazy yeah life's yeah crazy. that's true what i find really disturbing about the dating scene is that you tell a guy you don't want kids and they're like oh yes okay that's fine but deep down they're thinking she's going to change her mind yes at some point that's the one thing that i find the scariest to be honest yeah because for me um being a parent is a deal breaker so even if they're 
grown and gone. I don't want to deal with it. And maybe not if they were like a fuck buddy, but like a love relationship. I yeah. need that. Yeah. I, I need them to not have kids at all. And it's like you said, they just, it's going to limit yourself. Yeah. So absolutely. That's all right. That's well, all right. That's right. We're going to eventually find the child free, not prince of our dream. <laughs> I don't need to find anybody right now. But yeah, <laughs> I'm taking my time, taking my time personally. Yeah. That's good. That's good too. I also enjoy my single dom a lot um, because it's just, it's easy. It's a weird place to be, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the grass is always greener on either side. It's great to be single. It's great to have somebody. There's, there's pluses and minuses to all of it. Yeah, I completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Megan, it's been such a pleasure to have you in my podcast. It's so Thank much so fun much. to talk to you. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to add to our interview for my listeners to hear you say? If you're a fence sitter, take everyone else's opinions into consideration and make your own without anyone else's input. You have no time limit. Your life is yours. No one else's. Thank That's you. That's what much. I have to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that is very sound advice. Thank you, Megan, so much again. It's been such a pleasure having you in my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And for my listeners, I'm going to leave Megan's handles below so you can follow her on Instagram, Twitter. Are you on Facebook? I'm actually banned from Facebook. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you have to come back and tell us about that. Yes. Like an interview. <laughs> yes. No, but, but I am on Twitter and Instagram and okay. YouTube. So, yeah. All right. so I will leave you guys <laughs> Megan's uh, uh, links down here so you can follow her. Thanks again Thank for you. your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, Continue fueling your inner fire.